Okay, good afternoon, everybody. This is our final shir on Hilchot Nida and, and Yoredah. And next week, Bezrat Hashem, we will be starting the uh, new uh, volume eight um, of Orachaim, new cycle. Um, and it will be going live at the Mizrahi offices, Bezrat Hashem. And so that's for next week. So this week, Shir, we'll be talking about two separate topics. They're connected. The first is um, birth and uh, and gynecological examinations. Uh, we actually want to start with gynecological examinations, but we will see how, how these two are connected. Because the Mishnah tells us, uh, this is a Mishnah in Dafa Chaf Aleph, tells us, Hamapelet Chaticha. Uh, a woman who discharges uh, some type of uh, uh, some amorphous piece, meaning that it's uh, some type of flesh. Uh, not, not. We're not talking about a whole body. We're not talking about a birth. So says the Mishnah: Im yesh imadam. If there is blood also with this uh, discharge, she is impure. Vim lav Torah. But if not, she is pure. And Rabbi Yudo Omer: Ben kachu ben kach That whether there is blood that accompanies this discharge, or whether there isn't, she's always going to be impure. Now, that's a big chiddush. Why is it? I mean, we know that if a woman sees blood, as we've been seeing through the shirin, we know that when she sees blood, and there's a hargasha, there's a feeling that accompanies it, that's when she becomes a nida. Here, Rabbi Yehuda tells us that there was no blood, we know there's no blood, and nevertheless she's impure. And the Gemara explains what is the logic behind Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara says, It's impossible for the, literally the, 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 the grave. It's a very interesting uh, euphemism. Chazal, the sages called the womb, right? The, 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 the uterus, um, actually a kever, right? even though it's the source of life. So below them. So you cannot have it the opening of the cervix without blood coming out, meaning that even though we didn't find any blood, we assume that there was blood. And therefore, says Rabbi Yudah, a woman, anytime her cervix opens, we have to uh, be worried that there was blood, or we assume that there was blood, and therefore she's impure. Now, the question is, who do we pass in like? Do we pass in like the Tanakama, who says we make no such assumption or not? The Rambam is, is, is lenient. The Rambam says, even though the flesh that comes with is actually uh, pinky uh, or reddish, only if it is accompanied with blood is it a problem, but if not, she's still pure. Even if we were to take that piece of the uh, uh, discharge and cut it open and blood would come out, when inside dam and there would still be a lot of blood. Harezi Torah, this is she's still considered Torah. Why? This is not what we call dam nida. This isn't a, a blood of the uterus. This is blood of one of the limbs, um, and therefore she wouldn't be impure. This is the opinion of the Rambam, paskening like the Tanakama. However, the Ramban and many of the other Rishonim argue. And the Ramban in Isil Chotnida says, It is impossible that a woman's uterus would open to, to give birth without blood. Now, the, 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 the Ramban, notice, adds a word here. And the Chazonish is basically going to pick up on this word. 
The Ramban says, A woman's womb, cervix, it's impossible for it to open up when she's giving birth without blood. Even before the blood is considered like a, a, a emerges. Even if a woman has a miscarriage within the first 40 days, meaning that, you know, first 40 days, it's, it's considered Maya Ba'almas, because it's not really even considered a fetus. It's got no halachic status. However, says the Ramban, when the cervix opens, there's definitely going to be blood. Any woman who gives birth in our times, she needs to basically have seven clean days. Right? We view her as a Zavagdola and therefore would be uh, problematic. Now, how does the Shulchan Aruch Paskin? Does he Paskin like the Rambam or does he Paskin like the Ramban? And this has got huge, huge halachic ramifications because um, if we assume like the Rambam, then if a woman went for a gynecological examination, a very, int a, a, a very deep internal a gynecological examination and and her cervix was open right and they, they an instrument was inserted but no blood was found according to the rambam there's no problem she's not a nida according to the rambam lichora lichora it's a problem she would be a nida so this is a very uh, a, a very practical machloket between the rambam and the rambam we have to see how how the halakha uh, um Rules. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins. Hamapelet betoch arbeim ena chosheshet levlad, aval chosheshet mishum nida afilu lo raata. The Shulchan Aruch in Yeridea Kuftzadik Dalid says bet Paskins like the Ramban, right? And he says even if there is no blood, we assume that there is a problem of hilchot nida. Not a problem of Hilchot Yodledet, of a woman who gives birth, but a problem that she might be a Nida. We'll explain the difference between a Yodledet and a Nida further on in the Shir. But definitely a woman who has some type of Lichora, gynecological examination, the simple reading of the Shulchan Aruch would argue, one could argue, that, that she would become a Nida. Because he passed in like the Ramban. And the Rama adds, right? uh, and, and uh, the Rama just explains it if we had any doubt about it. And then the, the, the practical ramification is as follows. As soon as she's finished her seven clean days, meaning she doesn't have the status of a woman who's given birth. We'll see. A woman who's given birth, there might be extra humras that she has to take upon herself. This woman says, Ramah, although we choshesh, you cannot have a, a situation where the cervix opens without there being blood, but we only are concerned that she became a nida, or more correctly, a zaba, and therefore she would need the seven clean days. Now, if we were to stop the shear now, and we would ask the question, if a woman has a gynecological um, examination and an instrument is inserted into her cervix, right? what would the halacha be? So the simple 
argument could be, well, we've seen that the Shulchan Aruch Paskin, like the Ramban, right, that said, below that, we have to assume that there was blood and she would be, um, she would be impure. However, if you remember the wording of the Mishnah and the wording of the Ramban, what was the topic that the Mishnah was referring to? The Mishnah was referring to a woman giving birth. Now, it wasn't really giving birth. It was, it was more of a discharge, right? But it was a natural discharge um, that was coming, let's call it, from the inside outward, right? The cervix was opened by pressure from the inside going out. Now, a gynecological um, examination is the opposite, right? We are inserting an, a, 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 an instrument from the outside in. Now, the question is, the law, let's assume we paskin like the Ramban, which we do, the Shulchan Aruch paskin like the Ramban. It's true. But the Ramban said, he stressed this phrase, she's about to give birth, meaning that when a woman is giving birth, i.e. there's pressure coming from inside, outside, it's a natural procedure, perhaps only in that case do we assume that there's going to be blood. Now, let's. this discussion was debated by the Akronim. And the, the first major Akron who dealt with this was the Nodabihuda. And the Nodabihuda is quite emphatic. The Nodabihuda is emphatic that it makes it's no difference, meaning there's no difference whether the, the opening is caused from an inside, let's call it a, a natural pressure, or from an external source. Let's read the Nod of Yehuda in his Madura Tanyana, uh, in Yoredea, Siman Kuf Chaf. Upashutu, Shema Shamru That which the Chazal told us, well, that Gemara that we learned, the sheet of Rabbi Yudha, the it's impossible for the cervix to be opened without blood. Says the Nodabi Yehuda, I do not accept that there's any distinction whether it is a cause internal, internally or from an external source. And his maskana is gam en chiluk ben yalda medamim. It makes no difference if this is a woman who's pregnant, who's giving birth, or if she's an elderly woman who basically we, we assume that she has no period anymore, or muberet menika, or she's uh, pregnant, or she is uh, um, um, she is breastfeeding. Tamid meaning that the Nabi Yehuda views this law as as a axiomatic. It means that there's no exception to the rule. And the Chazon Ish takes uh, takes um, takes uh, the Nod of Yehuda to 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 point out where did he get this from? Says Chazon Ish in Yechot Nida Siman Pegimo. The Pitchei Truva Siman Kuf Tzadik Daled Hevi B'Shem Nod of Yehuda Demashe Amru Yefshal B'Yichata Deva Blood Dam Ein Chilu Ben Gram Tichami B'Fnim Ben Bim B'Chutz Tzarich Iyun. Says the the Chazon Ish. We need further. Uh, further examination regarding this this uh, decision, this sack of the Nod Behuda. Why? He says as follows: First of all, we saw Tanakama. We said that there's no there's no such cloud. 
right? You can have the uterus opening and no blood. And not only that, so you have a Tana who ruled like that. And by the way, the Rambam passed in that way. Vim Kain, now we have a rule, says the Chazonish. Whenever you have a machloket in the Gemara, you try and limit the machloket in the Gemara to the, the minimum amount of, of, of argument as possible. I.e., you got a machloket, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yossi Aglili. Why, uh, for those doing the Dapyomi, why expand the, the, the machloket as much as possible? You want to try and limit the machloket between two Tanaim. So, Tovia, you want to limit the machloket between. Uh, between Rabbi Yehuda and the Tanakama. Now, if it's true that according to the Tanakama we hold, he holds that there is a we, there isn't such a, a rule of Tichata Keva Beloda. At least let Rabbi Yehuda agree with him in certain cases. Where's that? When it's coming from an external source. That's the argument of the not Rabbi Yehuda, right? Hamuskar Begamara, and furthermore. The, the Gemara talks about it's very clear the context of that Gemara. The Gemara was talking about a woman who was giving birth. She was sitting on the, on the, the birth stool, etc., etc. And Tosfot explains the So now we've even found one of the Rishonim who says that there's a distinction between internal pressure causing the cervix to open and an external pressure. As long as the, the womb hasn't opened completely. And therefore, says the Chazoni, Shamina, the Ptichata Keva, the Gemara, who it Aruta de Leida, it's connected to birth. Uminalan Lechadesh, Says the Chazonin, where do we get such a, 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 a novelty? Where did another Yehuda get such a Chidush that there's such a concept when it's not connected to birth? Where, where do we find this? Where's the source for it in the Talmud? Okay. He says there's also an opinion of the of the Beit uh, Lechem Yehuda. Um, and uh, he thinks that the source are other Achronim. Bottom line, we have a now a machloket between the Chazonish and the um, and the Nod of Yehuda. The Nod of Yehuda was emphatic that any uh, medical procedure where uh, a, a instrument was uh, was um, went into the cervix, right, uh, is going to make a woman a nida. Now, the Chazonish argued that there's a big difference between an external pressure and an internal pressure. The bottom line is Rov Poskim, at least Ashkenazi Poskim, accepted the opinion of the Nod of Yehuda. Um, however, there are those, and we'll see Rav Ovad Yosef holds, like, uh, like the Chazonish, that there's a distinction. Let's see Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, accepted the opinion of the Nordbiuda. Even if it's coming from an external din. So even though there's a strong argument, says the says Rav Moshe Feinstein, one should be machmir. 
And now he says something very, very interesting. This is a double doubt. How do we get a double doubt? He says, first of all, the Rambam The Rambam holds that even in a case of a birth, that a woman has a natural discharge, he passed like the Tanakhama. If there was no blood, there's no, it, she doesn't become a nina. And that's referring to a discharge that the pressure came from, from a, a natural, from inside. Now, we don't paskin like that. But then he says, but at least there's a suffix that there's, there's such a shita. And then he says, However, according to the Rosh and many other Rishonim, which is also the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch, that this is how we paskin. There's no, there's no opening of the uterus without without bleeding. There are that even according to the shita, if it's coming from an external intrusion, we don't apply this principle of there's always going to be blood. So here you have a sveik sveika. Possibly safek is like the Rambam halacha follows the Tanakama. That if there's no blood, there's no there's no dinopti, there's no blood. And even if you pass in like the rosh, that's only if it's internal. But if it's an external, maybe we should pass in like the chazonish and the and the lebeit lechem yuda. Nevertheless, says Ramosh Feinstein, even though this is a sveik sveik ledina, and perhaps one can be mekel, mikol makom lo barur lan b'machloket achroinim laachshiv l'safek. Says Ramosh Feinstein. This is not clear that you can call this a sveik, a safek or sveik, sveika. But then he says about Farbi Arti, Basifri, Dibrot Moshe, Shekatavti, the Ein Lachshiv, Tichata Kever, Rak, Abbepticha, Kapika, Afbepticha, Nibifnim. Now he's going on to a separate topic. Okay. So Rav Moshe Feinstein basically says look, if the Ptichata, if the cervix is open, even externally, we have to be machmir. Uh, he doesn't accept the shita of the Beit Lechem Yehuda. He doesn't accept the opinion of the Chazonish, uh, which is very interesting. Rav Moshe Feinstein lived um, uh, at the time of the Chazonish, but they don't really, uh, he, he hardly ever quotes. In fact, I don't think he ever quotes the Chazonish. Um, and that's, that's, anyway, that's a very interesting uh, discussion of how Rav Moshe Feinstein understood um, the Masora of the Halacha. Um, so, so um, yeah, so I suppose it's not, uh, you see, because the Chazon Ish didn't have a Masora in general. At least that's how Rav Moshe Feinstein understood. The Chazon Ish basically learned uh, um, by himself. Uh, he, he went for one year to the Yeshiva at Velozhen, uh, um, and then he basically left after a year, and he basically learned by himself. Learned by himself for 20 years, locked in a room and he became the Gadol Ador. However, I've heard this orally, so I don't know if it's true. Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, was very wary of, he felt that it wasn't, it, 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 it was a break in the chain of the Masorah, meaning that as a halachic authority, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, uh, um, he, he wasn't bound by the Psak of the Chazanish. Well, I mean, Rav Moshe Feinstein wasn't bound by anyone. He had his own opinion and he, uh, and he said what he thought. But it's very interesting that he didn't, uh, didn't as far as I know, he, hasn't, he doesn't quote the Chazanish, but I might be wrong. 
anyway, at least that's one explanation that I've heard uh, why, why that is the case. But in the, the bottom line is, there are Moshe Feinstein says, we pass like the not a Yehuda. We have to be choishish. But now comes the second question. Okay, so if the cervix is open, uh, do we, we now have to worry that a woman has become a nida? But now the question is, what type of opening is considered ptichata kebe? And here, Rav Moshe Feinstein basically says an etzba, meaning less than an etzba, less than uh, approximately, um, you know, the size of a finger, uh, which is he's, uh, probably 20 millimeters or 19 and a half millimeters, right? You don't have to worry about it. Now, the, the benefit of this is that many, many, uh, not that I'm a doctor, not that I know these things, but apparently many of the instruments that are inserted into the cervix are not bigger than 20, cent, uh, 20 millimeters, right? And therefore, uh, therefore, according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, even though he doesn't accept the opinion of the Rambam, even though he doesn't accept the opinion of the, uh, of the Chazonish, and he holds that an external, he accepts the Nolabiuda, any external cause of the Tichata Kever, of opening of the cervix, is going to make a woman nida. It has to be a minimum size of at least 19 and a half or 20 millimeters less than that. It's not going to be a problem unless she sees blood. If she sees blood, that could be something else completely, right? And that's going to be uh, uh, another discussion that we're going to talk about in a moment. But at this stage, Rav Moshe Feinstein is machmir, but only for 20 millimeters or bigger. Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, uh, sorry, Rav Vozna, Rav Vozna is machmir as well. He says like this, However, he says, most medical gynecological examinations, one can be lenient. He says, don't go there. You don't need that, that svara that we paskening like the chazonesh, or we paskening. We don't need that. Why? The mitziut kimat kol In reality, you know, almost all medical or gynecological examinations, he doesn't touch the cervix, meaning that the, the, uh, the medical um, examination is in the outer cavity and doesn't reach the cervix, or if it reaches the cervix, it doesn't penetrate the cervix. However, there are obviously certain examinations where they do um, enter the, the, the cervix. In such a case, one has to be machmir. He doesn't even give a shear. He says, whatever the fine instrument is, it's going to be a problem. So here you have a big machlok between Moshe Feinstein and Rav Vosna. But I'm not, I'm not sure um, how many of these cases are there because, okay, anyway, he says, obviously, but we're not talking about the regular gynecological exam. We're talking about something that penetrates the cervix. The Darke Tara gives a third. Rav Eliyahu talks about a minimum of three millimeters. So I, met, I imagine, you know, three millimeters isn't a lot. So, so that's uh, pretty much, I would imagine, most instruments 
are of that uh, diameter, which would make it a problem. But if it's less than that, definitely according to Rav Moshe Feinstein and according to Rav Moshe it wouldn't be a problem. According to Rav Vosner, it would be a problem. Okay. Um, now, all of this is uh, assuming that these medical examinations did not uh, produce blood. Now, if they produce blood, lichora, lichora, it's a problem. But here, there's another, there's another or consideration, and that is we have the concept of dammaka. Only blood, which is nida blood or zava blood, uh, call it uterine blood, is a problem. However, if it is blood caused by an injury, what's called in halakha dammaka, that would not be a problem, even if the blood comes from the uterus. That's a big chiddush, even if it comes from the uterus. So now, let's say a doctor uh, um, inserted a, uh, a, a very thin instrument. So let's, let's go within the shita of Rav Moshe Feinstein. So it's less than 20 millimeters. It's less than the, the size of a finger. According to Rav Moshe Feinstein, there's not, we don't apply the principle below that. So she's not a nida. But now there's blood. So now the question is as follows. Can we assume that that is dam maka, right? That that is blood of an injury, in which case she, wouldn't, she won't be impure or not? Now this is really a shayla that it's very difficult to answer uh, um, completely. One has to ask the gynecologist their their medical opinion why the what the blood is where the blood is coming from and why the woman is bleeding um so it's not not a simple uh, it's not a simple question but it, there's a true here of the of the nishmats uh here they uh, this woman had a uh had some type of procedure and um and and the answer is as follows they said as follows if the procedure enters the uterus, right? So they hear the halachic uh, size is uh, significant. And according to Rav Yudah Henkin, if it's less than 19 millimeters, i.e. similar to the shita of Rav Moshe Feinstein, then it would be okay. Now, um, apparently this, I can't even pronounce that test. Hysterosalpinog. His Go gram or something like that, right? So, so hysteroscopy. Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. The size of the stereoscope is between seven and ten millimeters. Oh wow. Okay. Well done. Thank you. So, so the size of of, of that instrument you say is seven to ten between ranges from seven to ten millimeters. Oh, so this is our case. According to Rav Moshe Feinstein, it's not going to be a problem. According to Rav Bosna, it's definitely a problem. And according to Rav Moshe it's a problem. But let's just say we're going to assume we're going to go with Rav Moshe Feinstein, right? So in such a case, she's going to be um, she's going to be tohara. She's not a nida. But now look at the next paragraph. Following the procedure, there may be some uh, discharges or bleeding, right? Now, th this bleeding, lichora, why is she bleeding? So here it says like this, which is usually damaka from cervical trauma. Now, if that's the case, a woman would still be okay. She's not a she's not a nida. The problem over here is uh, um, here one needs to ask a shaila. One needs to ask the the, the gynecologist 
and and one should ask a halachic authority. So we, we're not going to discuss it. Uh, bottom, you know, give give concrete answers. This is a question that needs to that one a, a halachic authority as well as a doctor that can be trusted is uh, needs to be asked. Okay. Um, all right. That is uh, the end of that section. Okay. So now we're going to go on to another uh, very practical topic, and that is childbirth and Tyra. So up until now, now we know that we've, we've, we've kind of described or met two uh, ways in which a woman can become smear, impure, from the Torah. The one is called the nida, and basically that's her menstrual cycle, seven days. Uh, once she stops seeing, she can go to the mikvah. The other is zava gadola. Well, there's also Zava Katana, but let's just put that in the category, one category called the Zava. A woman sees three days not in her menstrual cycle. She then needs Sheva Nakim. She needs seven clean days, and then she can go to the mikvah. But now we come across a third category, and that the Torah in Parsha Tazria tells us, mm-hmm. A woman who gave birth, becomes impure for seven days, similar to her menstrual flow. Okay, that's the Brit Milah. Now, the Torah basically is telling us that for 33 days after giving birth to a boy, she basically is tahora. There's some limitations. She can't go to the Beit Hamikdash, etc. But she's tahora, even though she's seeing blood. And, and then the Torah continues. So the first uh, procedure of impurity is not seven days; it's fourteen days. And then there's going to be sixty-six days, which even though she is seeing blood. That is going to be uh, pure. So this is a new category called a yoledet, Torata yoledet, uh, which has very interesting different laws that we've seen up until now. So the first thing that we see is a woman who becomes uh, considered a yoledet, a woman who gives birth, becomes impure for either seven days or 14 days, depending uh, on whether she gives birth to a boy or a girl. What is the definition of the of birth? Uh, when does she become tame? So here, the Gemara uh, and the Poskim discuss that basically, uh, is it what, what at what stage do we consider her at the beginning of labor to make her impure as if she is a yolet? So says the Darke Tara of Mordechai Eliyahu. Likrata leida yesh b'chamisha matzavim. I'm just going to uh, move because uh, this this room is being uh, occupied. Just uh, bear with me for for one minute. Sorry about this.
Sorry. So, Ramon, um, it's Kufim Kufim Kohamestakot or She's having a um, um, contract centimeter. So, in the sound's not coming through. Hello? Now it's better? Okay. So, in the first four cases, meaning contractions, uh, even her water breaking, if there's no blood, she's not considered a nida. Okay, something different. Um, now, Eva, so if he hasn't given birth, he's permitted to her husband. She's still permitted. But in the fifth case, i.e., a dilation of four centimeters. According to Ramon Chaliyahu, she's now considered a nida. Um, so that is the opinion of Rav Moshe uh, or Rav Molchai Eliyahu. Other poskim disagree. Rav Ovad Yosef and Rav Ozna. Usually, Rav Ozna is very machmir over here. Uh, basically, Rav Ozna is is, is Michael. Even um, yeah, basically, until she's ready to give birth, we don't consider her to be a uh, anida. So that's a very important uh, discussion of when the onset of her becoming your ledet kicks in. Now, um, before we get to the end of the uh, process, let's just discuss a, um, a yotze dofin. Yotze dofin in Hebrew means the exception to the rule. But it literally means uh, caesarean, i.e. coming out of the dofin, right? coming out of the, of the wall. So it's also an exception, although today it's not such an exception to the rule. It's quite common. Um, so what is the din about a yotze dofin, a caesarean section? Says the Mishnah, yotze dofin en yoshvin alab a woman is not considered a yoledet. A yoledet, a woman who gives birth, has two halakhic criteria. Number one, she becomes impure. Number two, at the end of her impurity, she has to bring a karma. Says the Mishnah, a woman who gives birth via cesarean C-section does not become impure as a yoledet, but she, and she doesn't have to bring a karma. And Amar Avmani Bapatish, my time, Ayut what's the logic? The pasuk says, "Isha Zriya A woman who uh, basically has relations and gives birth to a male. 
meaning only when she gives birth the same way that she fell pregnant. And therefore, since this is a C-section, she is not considered, she hasn't got the status of a Yoledet. And this is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, if a woman only bled through the C-section, meaning the blood came out, but came out of her stomach, the woman is basically completely uh, permitted, she hasn't, doesn't need to go to the mikvah Nevertheless, that is might be in, in theory. Uh, practically, most women, even in a C-section, apparently also have uterine bleeding. So if that would be the case, she would be a regular nidda. Okay, so that's just uh, um, practically the salacha doesn't have that many nafkeminot because uh, practically most women, even if they uh, have a C-section, they will have some type of uterine bleeding and therefore she will still become a nidda and have to wait shevan uh, Okay, now uh, let's go back to the classic case. A woman gave birth regularly. We saw that the, the Torah said on the one hand, she becomes impure for seven days. Whether she sees blood or not, she's impure uh, for a male. And for a female, she's impure for 14 days. And then the Torah tells us, but afterwards, for 33 days for a man, for, for, for a boy, 66 days for a girl, she is pure, and this is called dam tohar. So even if she's seeing blood, she would still be permitted to be with her husband. So let's read the Ramban, whether we pass in halach regarding what we just explained is a din do writer. Says the Ramban, the daughters of Israel made no distinction between Dam Nida and the blood of birth. It could cause a lot of confusion and mistakes. Most of the uh, uh, miscarriages, we impurify women because they're not experts in this din. And many of them sit based on a din of the Talmud. Now, this is very important, um, how the Ramban understands this Khumra of Dam Toha. According to the Ramban, we won't read it all, all, uh, um, all inside, but basically, uh, according to the Ramban, this could be part of the Khumra of Rabbi Zaira, that not Yisrael Kiblu And what is that? That basically, any blood that a woman sees, even during Leida, i.e. during her Dam Tohar, not Yisrael Kiblu to such Shevan Akiyah. And then there's, uh, um, so uh, because of this, that would be included in the din, din of the Gemara. Now let's just read the last paragraph. Any woman who sees even a drop of blood, even during this 33-day period or 66-day period, 
needs to set seven clean days. Ke'ilu ra'atakolim jadelei, barezi bichlal chumra she'ichniru benot Yisrael al-atzman. This is included in the chumra of benot Yisrael, the chumra of Rabbi Zaira, right? And that's a din from the Gemara. Now, the reason why I keep on stressing that this is a din from the Gemara might because there might be halachic ramifications regarding this din. And although there are certain places that are lenient, there were certain communities that said no. The Goinim put a blanket down rule that we accept. We don't go according to the Dindor right of here. A woman has to, if she sees Dam Toar, she has to sit seven. Um, now, Goinim, not a din from the Gemara. It's not so clear. Let's see the Rambam, for example. The Rambam says as follows, very clearly, almost a very different language. This is a law that came about during the times of the Goinim. That there wouldn't be a name of Dam Tohar. The Rambam says explicitly, don't get confused. The Chumrah of Rabbi Zaira only applied to blood that was in principle to my blood, right? But this is not to my blood. This is Dam Tohar. And therefore the Chumrah of Rabbi Zaira, what Benoti didn't apply to Dam Tohar. This was a later takana of the Goanim. And since it was a later of takana of the Goanim, there might now be a distinction between the two din. Huh? We know that in certain uh, communities in Ashkenaz, in, in, in Sarfat, in France, that they, they didn't accept this takana. The Rambam is telling us that this is a minhag. And some communities accepted the minhag of the Goyen, and some communities didn't accept the minhag of the Goyen. Now, Rambam, this might be the Ikara din of the Gemara, that Pernotti According to According to the Rambam, it's clear that this is a minhag that was instituted in the times of the Goyenim, some communities accepted it, some communities didn't accept it. Even if we assume that today universally, universally, there is no, everyone agrees that you have to sit Shevin Akim um, uh, after, seeing dumb, after seeing blood, even in your May Dam Torah. Is there a practical ramification between the Rambam and the Rambam? Whether I hold this is a din in Minag, or whether I hold this is a din in the Chumrah of Rabbi Zaira, that not So keep that at the back of one's mind. Let's see how the Shulchan Aruch passed it. Um, what is the amount of Tumah? Any woman that gives birth, Chashuvot Yodot, it's as if they are considered Zabab, uh, and they have to wait seven clean days. Meaning, she needs seven days from the time that she gave birth because 
she's a Yoledet. That's from the Torah. And we also assume that she has to wait seven clean days. And now says the Shulchan Aruch, the Shiva Nekim, the Yoled and the Keva Yeshvot Shwain Leleda, the Shiva Nekim the Ziva. She gave birth to a girl. So she's a Yoledet. She's impure for two weeks, Minatora. And she also has to wait seven clean days. Now says the Shulchan Aruch, a Chidush. Whether they seven for a boy or fourteen for a girl, let's say take a girl, right? A woman gave birth to a girl. So fourteen days she's a Yoleta, she cannot uh, go to the mikvah, she can't be with her husband. What happens if the last seven days she didn't see blood? She also has to wait seven again because of a, a, we have the din of a zaba. Says the Shulchan Aruch, Olim lesvirat zivata, vim shamu shiva nekim betoch arba'asal lekeiva arez asura adel chamishasar. So even if she had seven clean days, but she gave birth to a girl, and now let's say it's day twelve, doesn't help. She can only go to the mikvah on day fifteen because fourteen days she's a yoledet mina Torah and she can't go to the mikvah. And if she went to the mikveh before that, lot doesn't work. Um, the Ramah just adds, she's permitted to go to be with her husband immediately. As long as she's seen seven clean days, she's good to go. But now, let's say she sees blood after she went to the mikveh, meaning she's now in her. 33 days or 66 days, depending on boy or girl, I feel a tipat kam chardal, even a drop of blood. She is tmea, even though midoraita obviously there's no problem. The minag is we don't do such a thing. Now, What's the nafkamina if I say that this is a dinner of the Gemara or if this is a mina, as the Rambam said? As we saw, everyone agrees. Svarim Ashkenazim. Basically, we don't allow women uh, to be with their husbands during the main Dam Torah. Um, so here comes the nafkamina that the Pitchei Chuba brings down. The Pitchei Chuba also following Shaila. So a woman, let's say, gave birth to a boy, and then after seven days, uh, she's she's clean, she's got Trevon Akim, et cetera. Um, and she went to the mikvah. Now, uh, a week later, she goes to black. So although Midoraita, it's not a problem. Midorabana, we see, She's concerned. I 
We do not make a brocha on a minhag, even though it's a minhag of the Nabiim. But according to the Ramat, now he's, he adds, what happens if a woman sees a, a, some type of discharge, a stain? It's a doubt whether this is a problematic stain. Or maybe it's not the right size of a grease. And the, the rab, the halachic authority was machmed. So here he says, this, throwing another thing. Maybe it's not even Tame to begin with, was a Sakh. And even if it's Tame, we know that this whole din is only a Minah. Now, one could argue that this is a machloket between Sfarim Ashkenazim. How does this fit into a machloket between Sfarim and Ashkenazim? Take Haleon Rosh Chodesh. Haleon Rosh Chodesh. The Svaridim don't make a brocha on, on Halal. Ashkenazim do. Why do we make a brocha on Halal? Or why don't the, why don't the Svaridim make a brocha on Halal? Because it's minar. It's not an obligation to say Halal on Rosh Chodesh. That's why we don't say the entire Halal, to, to show that there's not really the absolute chovah. So if it's only a minag, Svaridim Paskin, you don't make a brocha on a minag. As opposed to Ashkenazim, we do make a bracha on So coming back to the machloka between the Ramban and the Rambam, the Rambam says this is clearly a minak. If it's clearly a minak, then maybe it makes sense that if a woman goes to the mikvah, she should make a bracha, at least according to the Sfardim, according to the Psak of the Shulchan Aruch, if he's going to be consistent. But even if you say that it's a minak, i.e. the shit of the Rambam, Maybe Ashkenazim can make a bracha on it. But now comes the Shaila. But even for Sfardim, who says that it's a minah? Because according to the Ramban, this might be included in the Ikar Dinah the Gemara, that the women were Makabal Atzmam. And they made no distinction whether it's Dam Nida or Dam Leida or Dam Toah. In which case, even according to Sfardim, one could say that she should go to the mikvah. Bottom line, how do we pass it? Rabbi Yosef says, uh, um, you're led it. Last paragraph. So she, she went to the mikvah. Says Rabbi, um, and even though it's a minag, he says Barur that this is mecholam mekomot, aval ein la lebarech alatvila. On the other hand, the Marek Cohen says mebarechet alatvila. Then he mitzme ha mechamat riyah, then mechamat dikat aid, then mechamat kematzak ketem, 
whether she saw blood, whether it was because of a, a, a cloth that she checked herself with, whether she found a, a, a stain, or dam tohar. So in the case of dam tohar over here, says the Mare Kohen, that basically one has to be machmir. And it, well, I don't know if it's a machmir or makel, right? depending on Ravavadi will say you're being makel because sapek brachot lahakel, what are you doing making a bracha? But the bottom line is that this seems to be a machloket that could be connected to a general machloket, big machloket between Sradim and Ashkenazim, whether you make a bracha on a minak. So that is the opinion of the Mare Kohen. Um, and uh, Tov, we, we, we're out of time over now. I'll just mention the, uh, at outside. The Rambam brings down that after there was such a minag that basically people were not, we don't treat damn Torah the way the Torah said to treat it, meaning from the Torah, even if a woman sings blood, she doesn't have to go to the mikvah, she can be with her husband. Midrabonen are the minag, midrabonen, however you want to say, she does have to go to the mikvah before she can be with her husband. Because of this change, the Ramamen brings down a minag that in certain communities, women would not go to the mikvah until after the 33 days or 66 days. Completely. Well, it's, uh, sorry, it's more than that. It's 66 plus 14 or 33 plus 7. Meaning for 40 days, they wouldn't go to the mikveh at all in order not to get into this balagam. And says the Rambam, that is, that is apicorosis, basically. He comes out, uh, he, he is very, very virulent at such a minak. He calls it minak tzedukim, minak tawot, you've got to get rid of it, etc., etc. The bottom line is that there are still certain communities that have such a minak. And many achronim said, look, if there is such a minak, and this is the opinion of the Ramah, then you can carry on that minak. But if you don't have a minak, then we just don't, don't start such a minak. If you don't have a minak like that, then it's better not to adopt such a, a, an opinion. And we follow the Rambam that basically there's not, she can be with her husband after she's had Shemanakim. That's that's generally how, how we pass it. So that is Pachot Yoter, the end of Yochot Nida, at least what we were able to cover. And the end of seven volumes of Yeradea, Tam Veloni Shlam, but Yashakoch uh, but, uh, to everybody for uh, completing, for those of us who were uh, from the beginning, I think you, you, you were, and Baruch uh, Hashem. So that's seven volumes uh, plus a special edition of COVID that we also went through. And Bezrat Hashem, uh, we'll have tremendous Yatta Dishmaya to continue. And start next week with Orachaim, Siman Aleph, um, and uh, go through uh, the next few months. We'll be focusing on Hilchot Tfila uh, and then uh, Hilchot Shabbos. Sorry, Hilchot Tfila, then Hilchot Birkat Brachot and Birkat Amazon, etc. And then we'll get to Hilchot Shabbos in a year's time or so. But the next few months will be dedicated to Hilchot Tfila and Hilchot Brachot. Thank you very, very much. Yasha Kohatsum. Kolto. Manish Marabeno.